Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Evidence Podcast, the podcast where real people share real stories to show real evidence of a very real God. Recording from Knoxville, I'm your host, Daniel Brooks. And joining me from Danville, Illinois, Jordan Lang. Hey, everyone. I took JT's. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) And also joining us from New Haven, Connecticut, JT Shavers. Hola, brochachos. Yes, we switched (laughs) it up. Jordan, you had like very low energy when you did that. You were like, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Feeling an Eeyore vibe. Yeah. It's like it's kind of late, you know, so (laughs) we're just recording. So to be fair, um, let me just share my day. So went running with my friends and about midway through the run, they said, oh, let's stretch this five mile run into an eight mile run. So I was like, okay, cool. And then had track practice, which I helped participate in for about an hour and a half. And then this afternoon had some high school kids over to the church and we played basketball for two hours. So I'm Man. just a tad tired. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I That bet. is way more activity than I'm willing to do in a day. <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of crashed tonight as well. So I have recently been a little convicted about my coffee consumption through a day. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've gotten up to like six cups of coffee on average. And so Jeez, when I first started this, I was like, I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to cut back on my coffee. Cause like I, I was, I was legitimately feeling kind of convicted about it. And so I was like, okay, I could probably just do like two cups in the morning for a little while. And then I'll, you know, cut that out eventually. Like I'll do that for a week or so. So I did that for a grand total of two days. And then I was like, I have to add an afternoon cup of coffee because I was so ridiculously miserable by the time two or three o'clock is around. And so I'm finally doing that. I'm going to do that for a few days. I'm going to cut that one out as, as well and actually kind of gear it back. I'm going to try to go a little while without drinking any anyways, and then just to prove I can. Um, and then try May to the Lord bless it. you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I will accept that. <laughs> Y'all hear that dog? Oh, yeah. We Was that two, you? Yeah, we got okay. two dogs in the house right now. Oh, fun. Yeah, I heard a little uh, yip. Yeah, it'll just, it'll happen. Anyway, yeah, right before this, Sophie peed on the couch. She pees on the couch. I'm lying down on my stomach, <laughs> and I start feeling something warm, like right down, like Ooh. where I would have peed. Mm. And for one split second, I'm like, uh, why do I feel something? Did I just pee? <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> Sophie! <laughs> and literally like... Peed my pants. She peed my pants. Wow. I love love the dog. You had to think for a second. I had to think. I was like, I just pee myself. (laughs) I was like, no, that's a little high for me. (laughs) I was so mad though. I'm still mad about it. Anyway, we had to wipe that up because, of course, it's on the couch, not the floor. Yeah. Well, we had an entire group of people over the other day. And like, our dog has not peed on the floor at all since we've had him. But we had this whole group of people over, and then that's when he decides to turn around and pee on the floor. And it's like, and I think he just got like so excited. I don't because he was kind of like pretty energetic all night. And then we forgot to take him out because we normally take him out at like nine o'clock at night. And so I forgot to take him out, you know, to go pee. And so then around 10 o'clock is when he finally just like peed on the floor. But he didn't give us like any warning or anything. He didn't go to the door. He was just in the middle of the living room. Ridiculous. It was like that's so embarrassing, dog. <laughs> like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the children. <laughs> <laughs> they pee in the face. Kids will just do it. You just you can just put a diaper on them though. That's the thing. It's well, like, 
but when you're potty training them and they're like just playing and then all of a sudden they stop and they're just like staring into your soul <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing like well, let's go ahead and dive in for today. Today is March 23rd, 2022. That is the time of recording. So when we get to our positive news segment, it will be a little bit behind as always. But we have some positive news and we have a not too tough of a question today for us to discuss about on the Let's Talk About the segment. And to finish off everything today, we have a very, very special guest to me, as it happens to be the most beautiful girl in the world. So stick around for this week's episode. You will not want to miss this. All right. So positive news this week. I'll go ahead and start, guys. I don't think I start positive news very often. Something really cool that has happened here in Knoxville, Tennessee, is that the University of Tennessee basketball team, and you might have saw them in the recent March Madness departure from losing to Michigan. And Boo. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy, but I don't really care about either team. But I did get to watch UT play this year, and they were pretty good. So I actually had them going far in my bracket, and they blew it. But whatever. Aww. Um, but with that said, there is a player on the UT basketball team, Tennessee Vols, and he is number five, Mr. Zakai Ziegler. I hope I said that right, um, but I'm just going to call him Ziegler. And his family home actually burnt down not too long ago. It burnt down in February 26th is what I'm reading now. So February 26th, a fire destroyed his entire residence that he grew up in. And thankfully, I believe all of his family lived, but they lost everything. Um, but thanks to Vol Nation over here in Tennessee and all of the many fans of the basketball team, they have ended up doing a GoFundMe account and have raised upwards of $50,000 to help his mother replace all that was lost and pay for uh, travel and re relocation. So I just wanted to shout that out a little bit of local news, but also some positive news of just how uh, just man, sports fans showing up, showing up for a family that is in need with some losses. So I thought that was a really cool story. $50,000 in relief for the Ziegler family. That's cool. Sweet. So little kids give you pep talks on recorded phone hotline. I saw this. I wanted to call. And it. they are absolutely adorable. So it is from Miss Jessica Martin's class in Heldsburg, California. And they launched a telephone hotline in order to relieve stress and to uplift callers with laughter, words of encouragement, and advice from elementary school kids. And let's just say it is so popular. Uh, shortly after launching it, it exploded regularly, receiving 300 to 400 calls per hour. I'm going to give their number. It is 707 998 8410. And if you call that number, you will be greeted with a lovely introduction asking if you speak Spanish or English, and then they will go through what topic that you need to get through the day. So if you're feeling mad, frustrated, or nervous, you'll press one. If you need an uplifting word, you could press two. If you need a pep talk from a kindergartner, you could press three. If you need to hear kids laughing with delight, press four. And there's voice recordings from kids from ages five to 12. And let's just say, guys, it's so 
cute and adorable and it's awesome. I, to test it out, I called it and I said I was needing a pep talk. And they said, if you're frustrated, you need to just take your money and go buy food and shoes. And that and it's it, no coincidence that you just posted a brand new pair of shoes on yeah, your Instagram I know, story today. But I I bought those shoes like a month ago and they just got in. But gotcha. But anyway, um, but I just I just think that's so cool. And like the fact that they were able to do this, they like did some crowdsource like fund me type deal and they raised twenty six thousand dollars to keep the advice flowing. So if you need any kind of pick me up, need advice from someone between the ages of five to 12, give them a call at 707-998-8410. And I promise you, you will be uplifted. So yeah, the one I brought up and this just, I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to also have a conversation about it once I got done bringing it up. So NASA recently announced, and I guess they've been discovering this for a while, but they recently passed the 5,000 planets that exist beyond our solar system that they have like found and confirmed um, with actual photographic evidence. That ranges everywhere from like mega gas planets like Jupiter uh, to Earth-like planets to a, a planet that is similar to Tatooine, uh, the way they say it. So it's like going to be like a big desert planet. Jordan um, doesn't know what that means. He's yeah, ju- yeah, Jordan didn't get that. Um, I but I, but I just said this is, <laughs> I, it's a desert planet. You know, it, it is what sounded it is. So, neat. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, with over five thousand planets that they have like dis- discovered existed, what do you guys think the possibility is that there is life on other planets? Ninety-nine point eight percent likelihood or not likelihood? Likelihood. Okay, Jordan. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that there could be life elsewhere because as our podcast talks about the evidence of God, that if God is a God of all creation, then if there is life on another planet, then God on said planet could also create a redemption story within that creation. So I, I think it's within the realm of possibility. I know some Christians will probably instantly after hearing this log off and (laughs) probably like send some hateful emails to um liberty at liberty.edu or whatever (laughs) but but no i think it's within the realm of possibility okay yeah no I, i agree it's i always think with uh with that, like God kind of has us on a need to know basis as far as what else is out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have no issues thinking that there's potential, you know, life, you know, at least basic life on other planets, like whether that is actually intelligent life that, you know, functions as a society is one thing, but yeah, Yeah, just to have like, yeah, yeah. Just to have a life on another planet, I don't think is that far-fetched. Yeah. This um, is just three guys just shooting the coop of just <laughs> of aliens, that ancient phrase, aliens man. but <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, just like hanging out and having fun but right uh you know i do think that my argument is that i believe that there is life on other planets but i'm not guaranteeing intelligent life i just mean like no. a, a crab or a mosquito um that's <laughs> a pretty intelligent man <laughs> well we i mean take, you know let's take i don't all see crabs building buildings 
Let's take all of our mosquitoes and take them to that planet. Yeah, yeah come on, Elon Musk. Put these mosquitoes mm. up there. I know. That's how you just... end up with a giant like mosquito race of aliens well, at some point that then come back. <laughs> and Elon Musk just he just launched like forty to fifty like satellites up into space like today yeah. or yesterday. Yeah, uh, he's been doing that with, for a like, while. That's how the whole with, universe like, catches COVID, or right whatever. there. Uh, but no, nah, I, I, that's what I think. And I think that if it's like intelligent and all of that, the argument can be made that, that, that may take away from the specialness of us. And maybe that's conceited, maybe that's prideful, or maybe that's just how God's designed it is because yeah. we're special to him as the human race. Not the, I just, I, I have a really hard time fathoming a concept in which like all of these planets and, you know, universes were created. And we're the only life that God created within them. I think that's kind of conceited, you know, is, is my thought. It's like, yeah. you know, for our benefit, all we see is a dot in the sky that then we can observe and potentially, you know, explore in centuries to come, you know, but it's like for all of human ex- existence that we've known so far, it's like, it's nothing more than a dot in the sky. It's yeah, like, right. why would God have created that just for a dot? Yeah, you know, God, and all those things about there. God allowed Marvel and the MCU to happen for us to open our eyes to the potential of intelligent life elsewhere. Amen. All right. Well, let's move on. It is time to talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. We got to get that sound clip. But this is the segment that is hopefully informational, transforming, intriguing or even just encourages you to have a desire to learn more about who God is. It is the section of the podcast where we ask tough questions so that we will discuss as the host. And if you have any questions, you can email us on evidencemediagroup at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook at Evidence Podcast or Instagram at Evidence Podcast. And for Spotify listeners, you can always respond to the weekly question of if you have any questions about uh, Christianity and or faith but we'd love to hear from each and every one of you for those tough questions and we'll talk about it here on the show but this week's talk about it question is should pastors flaunt their wealth Mm -hmm. should pastors flaunt their wealth jordan i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna i'm gonna call i wanted to call you out first oh you want to call me out yeah yeah because this you're you're why we even had this question from last week right from the last recording yeah and we saw some instagram posts of some new tennis shoes and we just want to call you down and and you are the only pastor and uh look (laughs) right now okay so (laughs) to be fair the new tennis shoes i actually got at a discount price via poshmark so if you want to know the glory behind all recommendation yes which yeah if you want to get new looking stuff for a cheap price, Poshmark's the place. Anyways, I'm not being paid to say that. So, so we're not going to say it. No, so we're not going to say it. But um, so for getting back to the question, should pastors flaunt their wealth? I think in sh- I'll answer in short and then I'll explain. Should pastors flaunt it? No. There's a difference between flaunting their wealth and living their life understanding that the lord has blessed their bank account because like for an example like i'm very secure in my marriage but i don't feel like i have to flaunt sarah around and be like oh man look at my smoking hot wife and like doing so it with an arrogant attitude versus like me just kind of living a life that's faithful to the lord and i might just have things um 
just one passage of scripture that I think about with the topic is in first Thessalonians chapter four. Um, and I'll start in the middle of verse 10, but we encourage you brothers and sisters to do this even more to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. I think it's interesting that Paul tells the church in Thessalonica that like you should be called to live a quiet life, especially in our day and age of social media and wanting to publicize everything, which I know we talked about me getting my new shoes and I publicized that like even I'm part of the problem that I feel like I have to flaunt what I have. And I think that's just a challenge for all of us, whether you're a pastor or not, that we shouldn't seek to flaunt our wealth. We should honestly seek to boast about our like God, like boast about what Jesus has done and his goodness and what, what he's done, what he is doing. And, and I think it's just hard when, because the question was brought up based off of like some of the celebrity pastors or the movement with like the preachers and sneakers, Instagram account, which now he's written a book and done all sorts of other things, but like just the idea of pastors wearing like thousand dollar shoes and it's very well known that they're thousand dollar shoes and yet they're preaching in the midst of some people who can't pay rent. And like, it's just, it's really hard when you read verses like seek to live a quiet life. And yet these pastors seem to be flaunting how much money they have and what they have from a platform. And it's, it's not inherently evil to have bad things, but it's just, especially with the office of being a pastor and shepherding people and trying to set an example that like they're standing from a pulpit, they're, they're basically representing Christ on that stage to their people and for them to be almost more concerned about their drip than their theology is to me troublesome. Um, and once again, I don't know their hearts. Like, I don't know these pastors on preachers and sneakers. I don't know where they got their shoes or like how they could pay for it or the means or their heart or anything. But from an outsider's perspective, it's to me, it seems kind of troublesome that a pastor will wear basically a brand new pair of shoes on a Sunday and then they wear a different pair of shoe and a different pair of shoe and this outfit costs this much money and then he just continues to cycle through it like to me that just seems like it's a yellow to red flag to me but once again this isn't a hill that I'm going to die on because I know people have attended churches where pastors wear Gucci and Dolce and Gabbana and they they grow in their relationship with Jesus which is great but I also know some people that are very distracted by how much of a show it can seem and how much these pastors put into their looks and care about their self-image and all of that stuff and so that's more of the expanded version of my simple answer of should pastors flaunt their wealth yeah 
Yeah, for me, you know, I've thought about this question. As I think, I think any Christian does, whether they're in ministry or just outside of it. And I think people that aren't Christians question this because they start to question the intentions of the pastor that's in leadership. And uh, for me, it really goes back even to the just the basic question of should a pastor be rich? And I think that, you know, in today's world that we live in now, I think that, you know, pastors get rich from a lot more than just the tithes and offerings of the church body. And I think that that's something that we have to consider is that their work that they are putting forth, whether it be books or music, or even if they're an influencer on, on their social media, you know, that's still a work that they're doing. And I have no issue with compensation for those efforts and compensation for that work. And there's pastors that many that have bad reps because they preach what we in the Christian community would call the prosperity gospel, which is like, you know, you believe Jesus will do this. He's going to give you all the desires of your heart and everything, all the riches and glory for his kingdom and his name, blah, 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 blah. And I think that that is false teaching for sure, because I think that not even Jesus had a, a house to even sleep in. And so I wouldn't say that Jesus was extremely rich by any means. And if that's who we're modeling ourselves after, then we shouldn't expect to have any riches. But if God also calls us to be, you know, if he's going to call an individual to be rich, then that's a blessing that he's going to call the individual to be. He also used rich people throughout the Bible as well. Um, I would say one of the richest people of all time he used in the Bible. And, um, you know, I think that people that are in leadership, that they have to watch out for that type of gospel if that's what they're preaching but i also think that they can get it honestly from doing other efforts and other works outside of the church and outside their payment will come outside of the tithe and offering it may come from like i said books music or appearances on shows or stages or whatever and i don't see an issue with that and i also uh you know i think that what you do with that money i think the stewardship of that money I think that as a pastor, you should probably be a little bit more transparent with your money. I'm not saying you have to show what your grocery bill is, but like be more transparent about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, giving to this organization or whatever and using your money with a good money management and stewardship with it. Um, I think that, you know, I don't see any issues with pastors fulfilling maybe dreams, even if it is in material things. Um, you know, there's pastors I know that have bought extremely expensive cars for their wives and it was their wife's, you know, dream car and it was an anniversary gift and they had the money to do it by all means. I don't think that that's wrong. I think that you just have to be, I think that if that money has been come by honest, then okay, it's yours to use, but also don't take your joy and take your pride in these things that are of the world and that are material things. I think a lot of the pastors I've seen when preachers and sneakers came out that whole page, a lot of pastors spoke out about it because they were getting called out. They're like, Oh, well my shoot, like this is me on stage. And I, I'm not that guy. Like I don't, I don't flaunt my stuff. I don't, I don't even post the fact that I had these shoes on. It's just happened to be what I'm wearing this Sunday. And they go into some backstory and it's like, this was a gift literally given, given to me by somebody. Or there's other pastors that are like, this is just my hobby. Like, this is my thing. You may invest in upgrades on your car. You may invest in upgrades on your house or whatever. My thing is collecting shoes. And I've been doing it since I was a kid. And these shoes are now valuable. They weren't valuable when I bought them. Um, me personally, I can remember that I bought a pair of Dunks, Nike Dunks 
Um, and that was, I bought them, I bought a pair of air forces and dunks on the same day. Air forces were more expensive dunks were cheaper. And I said, I'm just going to go buy one of each pair in different colors and dunks were the cheap version. And now I go into stores and dunks are worth like 300 and something dollars. They were like 60 when I bought them and I don't have those shoes anymore, but I'm like, if they have been collecting shoes from this whole time growing up, who's to say they're not wearing thousand dollar shoes because they bought them when they were 60. (laughs) Um, And so we don't really know that full story. So I think it's hard to, to judge any of that as well. But I do think that the question here of should they flaunt their wealth I think flaunting, no, but I think sometimes if you have wealth and then you're buying things and, you know, you post a picture of your family in front of your just recently purchased house and then now it looks like you're flaunting your mansion, then, you know, I think that that could just be that you don't know the full story. And I also think, again, with that stewardship, I think, you know, a great pastor, the only pastor I'm going to call out by name is Billy Graham. And I can remember when he, uh, that there was a report that came out about him that he makes, we all know Billy Graham, multi, probably multi-million dollar pastor, one of the greatest evangelists of our time. And he set a budget to where he would only receive, I believe it was like $100,000 a year. And he would not allow himself to receive any more than that. Everything else either was given out or it was put into a savings account. And so he was had to live every year off of that $100,000 budget because he's like, this is this is all I need. And I think that that was also a huge testament to just being a good steward of the money and finances that God gives you as far as just living with well within your means. Um, but I do think my, my biggest thing is should they flaunt it? Not if it's with a prideful heart um, and just looking for that attention and to show off their wealth. I think that that's a no. But I think is it okay for a pastor to be rich or to have very nice wealthy things? I think that's okay if their money has been come by honest and that they're also spending their money on the things that are of God's kingdom as well. Yeah. And I, I agree with both of you guys, you know, I, I don't have an issue with people being wealthy. I also think one thing that uh, is interesting just as a, as a little social experiment is what we consider like wealthy. I mean, if you look at American cultures, if you, if you look at the tier of people who have a net worth of a million dollars or more, what they consider like wealthy is going to be much higher than what, you know, the average person may consider that. It's like the car that they consider, you know, an average car that you could drive, maybe a fifty to $70,000 car, as opposed to, you know, people who make, you know, let's say 60K a year, that's not going to be their average car. That's going to be their wealthy car. And then, you know, we as Americans, if you look at us on a global scale, you for sure, we are all considered very wealthy, um, you know, from the global scale. So, you know, you do have to take that in consideration. I think my biggest thing with um, not just, not just pastors, but with church members altogether is like, remember that the money that you have is not really yours. Like you are given stewardship over that money for a time. And so, you know, you Mm -hmm. use that responsibly and be responsible with the money that God has gifted you, but also be very generous with it. And I think when God you know, shows you an opportunity to give or to take care of somebody that you should jump into that responsibility. Part of that is having faith that God's going to take care of you. Um, and a part of that, you know, is also you taking care of other people. And, you know, I think following those impressions and following those commandments and, and you can even look, I mean, New Testament, there's definitely a principle of, you know, the church selling everything they have and putting it together so that nobody wanted or needed anything so that nobody you know went without basically is the principle that's there and 
I do think we've kind of missed that mark a lot in the, in the, you know, church, um, especially the American church. I think we've missed that a lot. It's like, we'll have people in our, you know, Jordan mentioned it earlier. It's like, we'll have people in our congregation who can't pay their rent. And we may not even know that necessarily because most people aren't very open about their finances in the States. We don't want to talk about when we're having financial issues because that is, that is seen as like a societal, it's almost like you failed. Like if you didn't have the finances that you needed, it's almost like you failed as an individual to provide for your family or to take care of, you know, your personal income or whatever. And, and that's a very, um, I don't know, negative mindset that we end up putting towards people. And so people don't want to talk about that. But what ends up happening is you have people who, you know, they may not have eaten for four days in your congregation and, you know, you need to step in and be able to take care of them, not just as the pastor, but as the congregation as a whole. I'm not putting that on a pastor specifically because pastors can only do so much, right? You know, I think that's the other thing that we kind of uh, mess around with, with pastors. We're like, oh, well, the pastors will take care of it. Like, no, the, the pastor has a job and he's only one person or one family. You know, you can't expect them to take care of every need that arises out of your church. The church volunteers have to actually step up and take care of things as well. Uh, but you know, that also involves open conversations. You can't, I can't help a need if I don't know that there's a need, you know, that's what I've been very transparent with a lot of my siblings and stuff like that about like, Hey, if you guys need anything, tell me, like, I'm more than happy to write you guys a check or to, you know, help you out if you need to, but I can't, I can't help somebody if I don't know that they need help. And so I think that just comes to, you know, open conversations on that. But as far as like flaunting your wealth, I, I think no pastor shouldn't do it. But also, you know, I don't think any of us as Christians should do it. It's just it's very unbecoming overall. So that's kind of my opinion on it. Last Bible verse I'll share because I'm a pastor and I like sharing God's word. Truly, I tell you, it would be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So I just think it's a warning because that's coming right off of the story of the rich young ruler approaching Jesus. And Jesus says, like, hey, if you want part of the kingdom, follow the laws. And he says, I've done all of those. And Jesus is like, neato, speedo, but here's the next thing sell everything that you have and then come follow me. And he left sad. And I think it's just a word for all of us that when we put our worth in our bank account or in what we have, that's when we begin to have issues. And so for even people in ministry, outside of ministry, our goal should never be to acquire wealth because as JT was mentioning earlier, like all of our stuff is just going to become future garage sale stuff anyways. Like they're thousand dollar shoes are one day going to become pretty worthless yeah, and the bible says that dust and rust will destroy it <laughs> yep so so just for all of us and in particular with pastors of these big churches that do have all of this like fancy stuff i mean if you've paid attention to any of the christian news over the past few years that typically hasn't been a model that's gone well for the pastor and ultimately doesn't go super well for the church, which once again, that goes into another potential conversation of, of just the American model of church, but we'll save that for a future week.
This week's special guest is a Canadian who lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. She is the wife of one, the mother of none, except for one little fur baby. She's an interior designer, a graduate from Ryerson University in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And she is the little sweet voice that you may hear at the end of every episode if you stick around to the very end. She is my beautiful wife, Christina Brooks. What an intro. Thanks, babe. Love you. Love you. I'm going to be talking a little bit about my testimony and how God's been evident in my life. Um, born and raised in a little town called Kingston, Ontario. Not a lot of people know about it, but a lot of people know Toronto. It's about two to three hours outside of Toronto. Born and raised Canadian, so married myself an American. It's how I made it to this country. No, I'm just kidding. It's not how I made it to this country. <laughs> you can edit that out. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyway, so after I graduated, I was looking to find my place in the world and knew I wanted to move away from where I had been going to school, which is downtown Toronto. And I knew that I had always wanted to live in the States. So I pretty much just packed up my bags and came down here with my mom and my brother. And my brother was training for football at the time and started putting out a bunch of resumes to just kind of see what would happen here in Knoxville. And didn't really think anything would come of it, but ended up getting a job pretty much immediately and had two weeks to just pack my whole life up and be in the States and ready to work. So that was super cool. And I was super excited about all of that started working and that's where I wanted to pause and give you all a little story of how I just really saw God move in my life in that time because at the time I'd been going through some personal stuff and it was a really rough go there right before I moved to the States. But what I wanted to talk to everyone about and kind of just share was what happened after a year of me living in the States. So for those of you who are not born and raised in America, if you want to be here legally, you either have to have a green card or have some kind of work visa. So I was on a, a work visa. Shout out to all my fellow green card and visa holders. It is no joke. It is very difficult. And there's a lot of just different hoops and stuff that you have to jump through. So anyway, I was here. I was working. I had a visa. I was living my best life. Not really super close with God at the time. Was just kind of checking the box of attending church. And I had just been through so much leading up to that point in my life that I just wasn't all in, I guess you could say. I was I was attending. I was checking off a check mark on my to-do list. But he didn't really have my whole heart. So um, started getting plugged in with a church here in Knoxville. And literally, I think either a month or two after I started consistently making an effort to get plugged in and put roots into a church and find a community, I found out that the job that I had been at, they no longer needed me and I was unexpectedly let go. So that rocked me in a bunch of different ways. First off, I don't like failure. I don't think anybody else does. And even if someone lets you go, not from any wrongdoing on your end, it still feels like failure. 
So that kind of tailspun me into not a great spot emotionally um, and just mentally was just a really rough time. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do financially. All of my family is still in Canada um, and would love to help me out, but it's just really hard to get stuff you know, financially across the border and for them to extend their help all the way here. So that being said, I found myself jobless and I had just signed a new lease on an apartment with my roommate, Aaron, and pretty much up until that point thought that, you know, life was going pretty good. It was getting back on track. Everything was kind of working out for me. And then that curveball came and didn't really know what I was going to do. Also, to circle back around to the whole green card visa issue, um, my job is linked to my visa. So no job, no visa, go home to Canada, essentially. So I was faced with a decision of, you know, do I go back to Canada now, like that my job is no longer? Do I find another job and reapply for a different visa and stay like what what do I do essentially so I was kind of at a crossroads and I wasn't really sure what to do and pretty much had no money I was pretty broke and (laughs) was really nervous and feeling the strain and the pressure financially so at that point I had I guess you could say hit rock bottom of like God either you intervene and give me some direction Or I don't know what I'm going to do. There wasn't like, oh, I've got a plan B. It was like, no, I have no idea what to do next. So anyway, I ended up going to church one morning and there was another pastor there speaking in the youth service and I was, I had been volunteering with the youth. And so I sat there and was listening to his offering message. And if any of you have ever been to like a formal church service before you get to the message, you would have a time of tithes and offering. And at the time, financially, that just, I had no money to give, Um, like literally zero. My parents had been mailing me like cash that I was converting into American dollars because I couldn't even barely make my rent. I was sitting there and I was listening and he said essentially to give those big things over to God, like they're little things and watch him move in big ways like it's nothing. And I just was like, all right, Lord, like I really felt kind of like that tug on my heart to go ahead and give into the offering. And I think I had like a 20 and two fives left in my wallet from the money my parents had sent me. And that was supposed to get me through the remainder of the week. And I was just felt like, okay, I'll I'll put a $5 bill in like, that'll be, that'll be good. You know, not everybody feels led to give, you know, financially in this way, but I really felt like the Lord was like, will you trust me in this moment and where you're at right now? Will you trust me 100%? Because up until this point, I really hadn't had to have trusted him all that much. I had kind of been doing it my own way and making it all right. I mean, just barely getting by in hindsight, but I thought I was thriving. And so it was kind of like a come to Jesus moment of I'm either going to go all in and trust him and walk this walk or I'm not. And I pretty well can foreshadow and see where it's going if I don't start surrendering. 
So what I ended up doing is I felt like I was not supposed to just do the bare minimum of what I wanted to do, but I was supposed to take a big leap of faith and step out and trust God. So I um, ended up putting in the offering my last $30 that I had in my wallet and was like, all right, God, like you say in your word to test you, see you move and see your word to be true. So I'm going to do this. So I put my last $30 in and you know, you're kind of riding high. You're like, yeah, I just heard from the Lord. Like, this is going to be great. And I walked out of there and I felt pretty great. And then I woke up the next morning and this like wave of panic hit me because I was like, I've got like a loaf of bread left and maybe some granola bars. Like, what did I just do? I also always try to be very self-sufficient. And so as a adult, it's also really hard to have to call and ask your parents for help be like, hey, I know you raised me and I don't even live at home anymore, but can you spot me a 50 because I need to buy groceries or gas? Like that was a very humbling time of my life. And my parents are amazing. I mean, they will bend over backwards to help us out. And so I really appreciate having that. But like I was saying earlier, it takes a long time for that help to come, especially because it has to go through the whole mail system and it's got to cross borders and everything. So that in that moment, you know, there was no backup plan. There was no fail safe. And I kind of started having this panic moment. And I remember hearing God say, okay, do you trust me though? Like, yeah, I trust you. I'm in this thing now. I've got nothing left but to trust you. So I had been putting resumes out and looking for another job in the middle of all of this. And it had been a little bit of time since losing my job. And I remember there was a few firms left that I needed to put my resume out to. So I walked into uh, one of these firms. They essentially told me, okay, thanks for dropping that off, but I don't really think that we're hiring, but we'll hang on to it. I was like, okay, no problem. So I'm like, you know what, Lord, either you help me find a job this week or I'm packing my bags and going back to Canada. Like that's just, that's the reality. I cannot stay in the U.S. without having a visa. So I am going to need to pack my my bags and go back home to Canada if I don't have something this week. I just felt kind of discouraged. None of the firms were really working out and the ones that I did have leads on just were not really what I was wanting to do. I just really started praying and the next day after dropping off my resume, I get a call back from this firm and they're like, hey, we'd really like you to come in for an interview. We are looking for an interior designer. So I was like, great let's go. I will be there. You tell me when. So they're like, why don't you come in on Friday? I'm like, all right, that's fine. So I go in on Friday for my interview and it was a really great firm. I was really excited about it. It's a local firm and it wasn't too big and it kind of checked all my boxes and, and did all the like commercial projects that I was really interested in. So I go in and I do my interview and I had also just come down with a sinus infection, a upper respiratory infection, and like ammonia or something, like all wrapped up in one. It, I was so sick. And this was pre-COVID. So this was not COVID-19. Um, so I had to roll in there and be like, it's just allergies. I'm fine. Um, as I'm like having to take cough drops in the middle of my interview. So really nervous that I kind of bombed it and walked out of there and I was like, I hope that went okay. And anyway, so I go home and they had said that they were going to call my references and get back to me. So I'm thinking, okay, it's 
probably not going to hear anything until next week. Well, that afternoon, I got a call and they essentially offered me the job. And fast forward, I've now been there for six and a half years. And it was the very best move that I've ever made. I was so excited to get hired on there. And it, looking back, hindsight, it was so perfect that I was let go when I was because I think I would have kept trying to make it work until it was almost toxic in my life at the other place that I was working. And this kind of stretched me out of my comfort zone. But not only that, I feel like the Lord kind of put me in a a situation where there was no other backup plan. And all I had left to do was to trust him. And I think I often look back on that time now in in my life and as I've moved up now in the company and now I oversee the interior design that goes on there and we've got, you know, other interior designers now and it's just growing and I've gotten to be kind of in on the ground level of all of that and gotten to grow as a professional and as a person at this company, I think, wow, like, Lord, you really, you removed something from my life but you blessed me with something even greater than what you removed. And I was so busy, you know, death gripping this thing over here. I didn't realize that you were just trying to transition me into something even better. And had I have kind of given up in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that circumstance of the unknown and gone back home to Canada, I would never be in the position that I'm in now where I get to oversee all this interior design and be in the role that I'm at in my firm, I also would have moved back to Canada and not have met my wonderful husband, Daniel. Love you. Love you. Um, so that was, you know, really a, a destiny maker decision, I think, in that moment. And I really feel like God was moving through that whole situation without me even realizing it or understanding necessarily what I was all doing. I was kind of just blindly walking it out and kind of testing him. And he was like, that's fine. Go ahead and test me. Put it all on me because I will not let my word return void. And I've got this. So hit me, hit me with it. Like pile it on. I can carry that weight. I can carry that stress. I can carry that anxiety for you. But if you will just surrender 100% to me, then not only am I going to transition you into the perfect will, but I'm going to make it even better. And so that was definitely a time of my life that I, I can now look back on and be very sentimental about it because it was just such a huge pivotal moment in my professional life, but also in my spiritual walk. I feel like I really, for the first time, stood on my own two feet with my walk for God outside of my parents, outside of going to church as a kid and just being a a church goer. That was the first time that I really kind of developed that relationship with God and it kind of took root. And before we go, we just want to give a quick evidence recommends from each of us hosts. 
my recommendation this week is Elevation Worship's new album, Lion. Go check it out. It is Roar. extremely amazing and it has been on repeat at my house. I would recommend the practice of confession and Ooh. not necessarily the Catholic version of confession, which if that's your jam, beautiful, but to regularly engage with people that you feel free enough to be able to share some of the dark parts of your life, some of the areas that you're struggling in, sin that you're dealing with, struggles, like just to find a group of people that you can regularly confess those things to and to make sure that those people aren't gossips, that they genuinely love you and care about you and after you confess that they'll actually wrap their arms around you, pray with you and be there to just be with you. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Um, yeah. So mine is actually going to be to find a, uh, a local church to actually go to on a regular basis. I know we're kind of, you know, coming off of COVID last couple of years and a lot of people that, you know, may have gone to church on a consistent basis, kind of went home, started doing online stuff. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of people kind of nationwide who are still doing online church. It was like their primary, but I, I do think it's important to actually get back into, you know, a church body and, and worship around people. So that, that's going to be my recommendation for anyone who maybe is kind of waiting on that or, or kind of scared to get back in there and, you know, go worship Jesus. Then, you know, I, I would just say do that and jump back in. I thought your recommendation was going to be less coffee. No, I can't recommend that to other people. <laughs> that's a personal conviction. <laughs> that's it's a terrible thing. Don't do it. In fact, I, that's a counter recommendation. <laughs> Drink six cups of coffee. It's worth it. Uh, it is worth it. It makes your life better. It's look because you know. in the Hebrew, when God's people entered the promised land, it said the land was flowing with milk and honey. Milk Which is what you put in, in the, coffee. In the Hebrew, <laughs> coffee is coffee. So it's really coffee and honey. I'm kidding. I hope that's true. (laughs) For those of you that are Bible scholars out there, I was kidding. Yeah. (laughs) I think. Yeah. That's all for this week's episode. I'm Daniel Brooks. I'm Coach Jordan Lang. And I'm JT Shavers. And you've been listening to Evidence. Thanks for lending us your ears. If you like what you heard, give us a rating and a review. If you didn't like what you hear, either way, we're glad that you stuck around. Still give it a review. We appreciate any kind of feedback you could give us. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. See you guys next week. Ciao. (laughs) Ciao. (laughs) This has been an Evidence Media Podcast.